0: Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady.
1: Welcome around to Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm here with Lou Weiss, my co-host. We have a number of great guests on our show today. You will now hear from Chung Wang, who happens to be on assignment. So uh, he will not be joining us on the show later today. We have got Chad McTray, who is the Chief Economist from the National Association of Manufacturers. Uh, Roy Lowe, who is our Senior International Correspondent, who covers the EU and the UK. Um, and we have Norbert Orr, who covers 18 global surveys where they watch the ISM numbers using that formula from all over the world and several spots in the U.S., So, as we get to our show, let's first get to Lou Weiss, my co-host, and
2: he's got some news and some information from uh, last week's show, Lou. Hi. Good morning, or good afternoon, or whatever part of the day it is. Uh, Last week, we had Andrew Scott from G&A Partners, a PEO company, a professional employee organization that basically leases employees to uh, manufacturers. And they have kind of an unusual spin on it. They do this in primarily uh, poor, uh, lower income, uh, not particularly financially strong areas. And they bring a lot of jobs to those areas. Um, And the point is that they will bring in uh, higher-skilled people. They can get them trained. uh, The... uh, HR benefits are taken care of, payroll is taken care of, and all you do is write out one check a month. You don't have to go through all of the uh, issues that a a regular company would be doing. So that's a very interesting uh, uh, spin on uh, their PEO. Uh, Again, they are uh, uh, doing this in Poor or less financially secure areas, which gives them a lot of uh, a lot of strength to the area. We also had Aaron Stebner from ADAP, the Alliance for the Development of Additive Processing, additive <laughs> Addictive additive processing technology, talking about the role of additive metals in manufacturing, uh, and they talk about uh, manufacturing approach and solving problems in the. Uh, Additive Metals Manufacturing World. Uh, Two interesting uh, stories. Uh, uh, Alliance uh, for the Development really had some very interesting components regarding technology and so on, so you may want to tune in and take a listen to that. Um, Some news items. New survey put out by uh, Nam and Deloitte Touche Manufacturing Institute survey, 76% of Americans want the U.S. to invest more in manufacturing. I think they're beginning to get it. I think they're beginning to wake up. We, de- we absolutely must have more investment in our manufacturing and in our technology and so on. This is something that's really very important. I don't think that we've really – mainstream media has not talked about manufacturing much at all for years – except for just prior to President Trump's election. Now they're talking a lot about it, and uh, these are, this is all good stuff. So we're happy that that's going on. U.S. unemployment claims fell to 236,000 for the month of uh, May. Uh, it's the lowest number in 29 years. Really startling. Since 1988. And it seems as though that our our job market is getting stronger. Uh, The Labor Department stands by that as well. And uh, things just seem to be smelling like roses. Uh, We just hope that there's no major incident of any type that would actually blow a hole in our moving forward. Aerospace manufacturing company, electronic power systems. In Utah, 128 jobs. They're investing $12 million in capital investment. This is going on all over the country right now. And that was all about the fact that U.S. should invest more in manufacturing. And here's a perfect example of it, that electronic power is putting in $12 million into Utah with the aid of the state government, the governor, and, of course, they're getting all kinds of Tax abatements and tax relief, but that's okay. I I think that uh, Utah probably needs it. Um, Going a little little bit further, uh, NAM, it seems like this is uh, NAM week. Uh, NAM had a big meeting this week with Trump, uh, President Trump, uh, and representatives from NAM on topics ranging from federal regulation, infrastructure spending to workforce development, tax policy, as well as many other topics. NAM is a very strong supporter, obviously, of manufacturing, and they seem to be working very well with the Trump administration. Tim?
1: Well, that uh, is all excellent news for manufacturing, and Lou and I are excited to be able to report excellent and upbeat news for manufacturing. And now let's hear from our correspondents around the world to see what they have to say, what's happening in manufacturing. We're here with Chad Mutray, who's the chief economist for the National Association of Manufacturers. He happens to be traveling at the moment, so if you hear some airport airport noise in the background, uh, that's because Chad is at an airport. But he was kind enough to call in to join us. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio, Chad.
3: It's a little economics on the go today. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully it sounds coherent.
2: <laughs> uh,
3: it's always fun to be on your show. So.
2: Uh thank you. thank you. Are you in Orlando or someplace interesting?
3: I am in Minneapolis. We were up here for a trans and economic forum that the n a m puts on every once in a while so
2: Excellent. always good to hear Excellent. from
3: always good to get outside the beltway as you know
2: uh i can, i li- I was born in the beltway so
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> tell us what's good well I think you know the the, the bottom line is that the overall manufacturing activity continues to show that it's moving in the right direction uh, clearly not as fast as we like you know we're going to be getting new numbers on industrial production soon so those are going to be closely watched to see if we can rebound from the decline we had in, in march and and you know a lot of that was automotive but I, th- I think you know the underlying trend is that manufacturing continues to grow modestly we're seeing some pretty decent growth in terms of hiring we've had five straight months in a row of, of, of hiring growth. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I think that, that there still is a lot of room for optimism, even if uh, some of the sugar high that we had earlier in the year is starting to wear off a little bit.
2: Well, it's we, uh, uh, well, all Metals, yes, very
3: good news.
2: At All Metals we, and I, Forge Group, uh, Chad, I, we find that things have been picking up significantly in manufacturing. And as you stated, uh, enthusiasm is actually quite high. Uh, We haven't seen that in a while. Well, as you know, we had a survey
3: that came out in in March that said we had an all-time high level of confidence uh, in terms of manufacturing outlook. Uh, We're doing a new survey that will come out in June. Actually, it's in the field right now, so hopefully we continue to see elevated levels of optimism. Um, I think the other thing, just to note, just just to kind of put it out there, is that Uh, In addition to doing the Monday report, I also do a global report once a month, and we're seeing some strong signs uh, abroad as well. Europe seems to have gotten its act together despite all the political election uh, uncertainty that's out there. China is no longer the risk that it was, and and, uh, I think that because the rest of the world is starting to turn around, you're seeing some better performance domestically here for U.S.
2: manufacturers too. Well, without a doubt. Matter of fact, uh, I I keep a, a kind of an eye, on, I kind of have a secret, a secret sauce to take a look at what's coming down the road in about six months, and that's the U.S. cutting pool consumption, and that rose in uh, March, and uh, you know that's a pretty good forecaster as to what's coming down the road in four to six months.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I agree, and and you know I, I think we've also talked on this on this program before. We had two straight years where manufactured goods exports from the U.S. declined, both in 2015 and 2016. Uh, so far this year, through the first quarter, we've seen a three percent increase uh, relative to the first quarter last year. So uh, that also is a nice sign that maybe the drag <laughs> we've seen from exports uh, is slowing down.
2: Well, not not only that. Um, The uh, exports over the last several years, the first quarter has always been, you know, less than wonderful. So I I think that this year we're seeing something totally different. Yeah, I mean, we traditionally have a weak first quarter followed
3: by a rebound, and I think that that's going to be true this year as well. You know, GDP grew just 0.7% in the first quarter, uh, but I would expect a number that's at least 3% in the second quarter. Uh, a nice re- healthy rebound. Um and you know still for the year roughly two point one percent growth uh for GDP but I think there's still some upward potential for that, particularly if we get some, some smart policies passed here out in Washington.
2: Well I you have a, an operative word there about smart.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well I, I know
3: it's, it's, uh, smart and Washington don't always go hand in hand. I I uh I, I, but, I <laughs> But uh, you know, if we, you know, they are legitimately talking about tax reform. They're uh, legitimately yeah. talking about doing an infrastructure project. Regulations—we've already seen a lot of progress on that. So we mm-hmm. are seeing some. We are seeing some smarter policy, uh, even if there continues to be some gridlock at times. You, Chad, I noticed in the news today
1: that uh, Saudi Arabia is looking to chip in. I think it's forty billion dollars into our infrastructure pool. Um, is that likely to occur for other countries around the world to participate in in President Bush's plan to fund our trillion-dollar infrastructure investment?
3: Uh, you mean Trump? Uh, you mean Trump. I think, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I think that there is certainly, uh, on the part of a lot of com- countries and companies, uh, a willingness to, to participate in, I mean, it's a trillion dollars over 10 years, right? I think the bottom line for us is that That's going to be a lot of of jobs for manufacturers. Uh, We have to build the products that are going to be used in the construction process as well as, you know, manufacture those raw materials as well. And so uh, so I certainly welcome anyone that wants to participate, whether it's Saudi Arabia or anyone else. Um, I think the key thing for us is getting a package passed, getting it paid for, uh, and, and having that certainty out there so that we're not, you know, Every other year, you know scrambling to find money for the transportation fund and and, and putting those projects on hold
2: i I have a curious question uh, regarding your question tim uh, wh- Why is Saudi Arabia contributing welfare to the u s which why is why are they doing
1: this i'm not sure so I, I can th- answer that one uh, although they they somehow have been I guess, convinced that a healthy infrastructure in the United States uh, helps our partners
3: around the world. Uh,
1: Chad, do you have any additional read on that?
3: Uh, you know, my only sense is that the, the companies, uh, the, you know, the, the, those companies are wanting to participate in, uh, in terms of in, the investment that's going to be taking place in infrastructure. So I'm not surprised. I suspect a lot of companies are going to want to get, it, want to get on board.
2: Well, I didn't want to throw everybody off the track with that question, but uh, it to me was curious. Uh, it, it's almost as if they want to contribute money to us so we can keep contributing defense dollars to them, uh, which is also a possibility. But uh, that said, uh, we can move on.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> certainly uh, manufacturers are waiting uh, somewhat impatiently for this to happen because it affects all kinds of components of the supply chain. What are you hearing out of Washington in terms of it moving forward, Jeff?
3: Well, this coincidentally happens to be infrastructure week. Uh, so it's an opportunity for us uh, to make sure the policymakers are aware that we've been underinvesting in infrastructure for the last couple decades. Uh, The percentage of of dollars we devote to infrastructure as a percentage of GDP continues to fall. Uh, And, uh, you know, I think it it shows. If you go out there and you look at roads and bridges and airports, where I happen to be right now (laughs) at an airport, uh, it's clear we haven't been investing in those things. Um, And so, uh, you know, we need to make sure that with the priority – And I I think one of the things that we saw coming in, you know, even before the election results were announced was that we knew that infrastructure was going to be a big priority in this administration, regardless Mm -hmm. of whether it was a Clinton administration or a Trump administration. Uh, Now that we know that it's Trump, I think he's all behind an infrastructure package. We're going to be getting an infrastructure proposal for them shortly, I believe. Um, And so, uh, as as I noted earlier, that's going to be huge for, for manufacturing and for the economy. So.
2: Yeah, hey, I'm
1: not hey, hearing hey, anyone yet, and I guess we're all hopeful that something will cause a uh, a jerk upwards in terms of GDP. Um, but maybe the maybe the new uh, reality is slow growth. Do you have a sense of what manufacturers are feeling out there? Are they kind of preparing for slow and steady growth, or is there an optimism that we're going to see a, a bounce upwards somewhere in 2017?
3: Well, I mean, I think, as I said earlier, I think the forecast this year right now is still for two percent, two point one percent, is my current forecast. Uh, my forecast for 2018 would be roughly the same. Uh, but I think that if we can get tax reform, if we get an infrastructure package, uh, all the stuff we've been talking about for years, uh, I can see a lot of upward potential for that number, particularly in 2018. Uh, and yeah, keep in mind, if we if we pass these things, it's not going to be till later in 2017. So. The bigger impact, at least in my view, is going to be next year, uh, and we could hopefully get to 25 or 3% growth uh, if, if we do, some, again, some of those smart things. Uh, otherwise, I think we're still going to be stuck in the twos.
2: Do you see, uh, by any chance, a possibility that there will be a tax forgiveness on the $17 trillion that's camped off, uh, offshore? to
3: bring it back? Well, I mean, we're going to be looking to see what happens in any tax reform package. Obviously, I think, you know, there's going to be some desire to get that $2.5 trillion back here in some form, and not all of it's going to come back. But I think that uh, that's definitely something that um, people want to see. Number one, it it could be a short-term funding source for something. Um, But I think the the bigger reason, the bigger motivation for it is, uh, we want those dollars spent here, not abroad, and there's no way it's ever going to get spent here if it's stuck abroad. And uh, so, you know, we, we obviously are pushing for a territorial tax system that will encourage that money to move back, but I think in the mm-hmm. short term, uh any, any way, even a, a, a one-time repatriation would be better than, than it just sitting abroad and doing nothing for sure.
2: us. Sure. That's uh, something that manufacturers are beginning to talk about, you know, why – you know, forget about bringing back the jobs. The jobs that were left will never come back, uh, and there are also jobs that Americans don't necessarily want to do. They want to do so. Let's at least bring back the dollars.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I know that the uh, National Association of Manufacturers put out uh, a series of documents earlier called "Competing to Win," and you had a number of different objectives to try to achieve or help manufacturers achieve as you represent them in Washington. And as I review that, you know, one of them's on tax, one's on trade, energy, the environment, transportation, infrastructure, labor, immigration. It seems like you're just getting all doubles and triples. It it seems like you're having a very good year for the National Association of Manufacturers.
3: Is is that your feeling as,
1: as NAM works in Washington?
3: Uh, I think it's nice to be heard. I think that we've had an enormous amount of, of engagement with the, the Trump White House, as you know. I think we talked about that on my last on the last show, uh, and so I think that that, that certainly uh, helps. I think it also helps to have a Congress that is willing to to work move on those priorities as well. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's still uh, uh, a lot of work to be done on each of those issues, but uh, it's 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 clear that the administration is is those are the same priorities that they have, and so that helps us get those doubles and singles and triples, maybe even a home run occasionally if we can get some of these things across the board. Jay's working pretty hard. <laughs> He's working this week on infrastructure week, uh, so that's obviously the priority for this week. But uh, yeah, you know, all of those all of those are are going to be significant. And and you know, there's also the there's some challenges out there too. We still got to make sure we get trade. Uh, trade education out there And talk about the importance of trade and Immigration and, and there's obviously Some differences there uh, with the administration On some things So uh, making sure that we can also Move the needle on those, those issues In a way that helps manufacturers too
2: uh, Chad if you don't mind Can you give our listeners Your uh, URL address So that they can if they don't know it, they should know it uh, to be able to get some of this information directly right off the internet. Can you give us it's, that? Uh, I will. Well, it's
3: www.nam.org. Uh, so you can go there, see the Monday Economic Report and all of the other policies that we uh, go out there advocating for on a daily basis.
2: Excellent.
1: And, Chad, excellent. The, uh, the monthly update,
3: uh, where do they find that? Particular one, I see them.
1: The, uh,
2: so for the global, the economic if you report, onto,
3: if you go under the data section, uh, it's under there. So it's under data and data and reports.
1: Yeah, the NAM puts out terrific reports. So uh, kind of to wrap this one up, uh, Chad, on immigration, and and we know that there's uh, that hasn't smoothed out yet. Uh, what is the NAM hope or hopeful outcome of that one?
3: as it moves forward well i think uh, obviously we were supportive of comprehensive immigration reform I'm in the last administration i think that hasn't really changed um and so i guess you know i guess the first thing i would say is do no harm all right uh, uh we have to recognize that we need we need immigrants in the u.s uh, not just for their uh, and innovativeness if you look at all the top companies many of them are founded by I- immigrants my past role at the Small Business Administration, certainly we documented how important immigrants were for entrepreneurship. Uh, but they also are, are key individuals when it comes to research and development and to the people that we hire. And so uh, we need to make sure that we don't uh, do any harm, but we also need to be, be smart about actually doing some reforms that actually uh, increase uh, the the, uh, the uh, participation of immigrants in the U.S. economy. That's a, that's yeah, a <laughs> Unless you're
1: an American Indian, uh, you came from somewhere else. <laughs> so. Is there anything in particular, Chad, out there that could really energize, other than you know, tax reform package and immigration needs? Uh, is there something else that you haven't touched on that could energize manufacturing? Or well, I mean, we, have, all we haven't talked. It,
3: we haven't talked about it, but the two issues that certainly are top of mind for a lot of. Uh, CEOs that I talk to, uh, obviously innovation is important. Everyone's looking at these disruptive technologies, right, and what the impact is going to be on their business. Uh, And the other one, and it certainly is related to that, is is workforce development. Uh, uh, Every manufacturer I talk to says they're having trouble attracting talent, and certainly those new technologies are making it even harder, right? So uh, we need to find a way that we can deal with that in a smart way as well. Uh, making sure companies embrace technology, uh, but also making sure that they have the workforces that can handle it.
1: That's certainly going to be a great challenge.
2: Lou, anything else you want to ask Chad before we wrap here with Yeah, I'd just like to uh, kind of make an add-on comment to uh, what Chad was just talking about, about workforce. And, you know, Tim and I have been talking now for over three years manufacturers about all types of issues and so on. And one of them is the same topic. And there are some very creative people out there, uh, entrepreneurs and larger, who have created uh, in-house training programs, training programs where they partner with even competitors to be able to create training schools within a certain locale and use them as a Training field as well as an educational field to uh, build uh, this, this workforce uh, and, and give them the skills. Uh, one company that we know, a matter of fact, uh, um, Hypotherm, uh, the other day, Tim was given an award for their activities in uh, workforce creation, and uh, right. they uh, they've done really a lot of. In- Really smart, as you put it, Chad, smart uh, development in uh, uh, building uh, resources for new employees. And yeah. uh, it's, it's really important. And, you know, if you're waiting for someone else to do it for you, forget about it. You've yeah. got to do it. And you've got to partner oh, yeah. with those who want to do it. So This has been a
3: big issue for our Manufacturing Institute, as you know, um, Sure. It's certainly going to be uh, something that they're going to continue to work on and look and look into, uh, you know, moving forward as well.
2: Uh, I would certainly think so. It's uh, it's important uh, for our our country and and our population.
1: Yeah. Tim. Well, yeah, I don't know if you're willing to grab your luggage to uh, go in or out, but uh, we'll
3: let you go on your
1: way and thank you for joining okay. us on Manufacturing
2: Talk Radio.
3: Well, thank you. Thanks for letting me on the show and.
2: Hopefully it wasn't too loud for you here. And have a good flight wherever (laughs) you're at. Okay.
3: All
2: right.
1: See you. You Take care. Bye-bye. And we've been speaking with Chad Moutre, who is the chief economist for the National Association of Manufacturers. We encourage everyone who's a manufacturer out there to join NAM, not terribly expensive. NAM.org is their website. Uh, Go check them out. A lot of great information there that comes out on a regular basis to help you move your business forward
0: manufacturing talk radio will be right back elevate your career and stay ahead of the curve with eism brought to you by the institute for supply management eism is the first on-the-go lifestyle compatible learning initiative in the industry it features hyper short 15-minute modules and guided learning courses that can be completed in as few as three weeks Just right for you or your team. It's the world's largest one-stop online learning shop for supply management. Register today at ismelearning.org. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, Those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification, fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line.
2: All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of
0: open-die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys.
2: Visit us at steelforge.com or call
0: 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio.
1: Joining us is Norbert Orr, who is our senior international correspondent who follows 18 global purchasing manager index surveys. I think they're all built on the ISM model. I'll ask Norbert that when we have him on the air here shortly. Uh, He's also followed some surveys in the U.S. and regional areas. It gives us an idea of what's happening in terms of manufacturing across the United States. Norbert, welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio.
5: Thank you. Good to be with you.
1: Questions for you, Norbert. Um, The surveys that you follow around the world, are those built on the ISM model?
5: Uh, Yeah, everything really relates back to uh, one of the the good things. ISM developed the model around diffusion indexes, which uh, have been around for about 100 years now economically. Uh, And uh, ISM shared that information and methodology uh with uh every one of these uh in one form or another every one of these surveys that comes in globally and even domestically so uh it's good that we have a common uh language if you will uh that uh, we can re- each relate to so that you understand uh that if it's over 50 it means it's growing if it's under 50 it means it's contracting uh, and so uh, each of these surveys uh, uh, has meaning compared to the others. It says tells us which countries are growing and which ones are declining. And which ones okay. to look out for. <laughs> and, and where the trouble <laughs> spots
2: are. Uh, right. where I mean opportunities. Know, uh,
5: exactly. Uh, and uh, then within those surveys, it tells you what industries uh, uh, may be uh, benefiting and which ones are struggling
2: at the current time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, actually, talking about those uh, the, the uh, scattergram, uh, and I'm kind of jumping ahead because I think this is the first time I've seen this, is that there's only one country uh, within your report that's uh, below 50, and that's uh, South Korea for probably obvious reasons. Yeah, uh,
5: South Korea is the only one that statistically is falling below the midpoint. Uh, Brazil is at 50.1. Uh, the Kaijin uh, is at 50.3, uh, which is the China, one of the Chinese surveys. Uh, but, you know, when uh, the numbers are that close to the midpoint, uh, I really view that as, uh, as, as much no change as it is uh, uh, a decline uh, or slight right. growth it is it, there's not just not a lot of happening month over month, which means it's not getting worse uh but there's <laughs> and, and no any, ticker tape for but no there won't be uh, it'll be a long time <laughs> for uh Bra- brazil uh they they don't want to invest in their ticker tape yet <laughs>
1: Well, for some time, Norbert, the Eurozone was struggling, and they seem to have come out of those doldrums uh, and are doing fairly well. How, how does that look for them?
5: Uh, it actually looks very good. Uh, it, it's come back. Uh, we see the uh, just coincidentally the European stock market uh, moving upward, get, uh, strengthening uh, the dollars, uh, uh, weakening just a little bit, uh, uh, those are all positives from an international standpoint. Uh, you've got Germany uh, at 58.2, which is uh, very significant, uh, over 15% month-over-month growth in uh, uh, the manufacturing sector. Uh, the Netherlands is uh, up in the 58, so the, the eurozone in general is at 567 Uh, which uh, puts them right up in the area that we're in. Uh, Right now, I think we're talking about uh, strength in North America, strength in Europe. Asia is doing okay. Uh, Parts of Asia, Taiwan in particular, uh, is doing great. I always consider Taiwan to be kind of the the semiconductor index. Uh, Whatever manufacturing is doing in Taiwan is reflective of they have six major industry segments, and uh, semiconductors uh, dominates that. So uh, it's always good to see that, uh, that that's happening, and it seems like we're putting a chip in everything today. So um, I would expect yeah, that, right. to, uh, that, that to continue.
2: I'm thinking of having one of those chips put under my arm to help my brain functions. <laughs>
5: yeah. There will probably be a point at
2: which you get some support there, Lou. I'm sure it's uh, on the (laughs) research table now.
1: Norbert, does Canada have a uh, ISM index?
5: Uh, Canada does, and uh, Canada uh, has been coming back. They're up to 55.9, and uh, basically you can attribute to – you know, many people say if uh the uh US gets a cold, Canada gets pneumonia, uh because of the relationship, uh, the symbiotic relationship we have with the Canadians. Uh and they've uh, picked up significantly over the last uh couple of months, but uh, again it's it's kinda of followed uh <laughs> lags behind the US economy a little bit but uh but very strong uh there's concern about a housing bubble in, uh, in Canada uh, that could slow things down if uh, that comes to fruition, if uh, they have problems with that. But other than that, uh, you know, commodities are coming back in, in price, and so uh, Canada benefits greatly from uh, commodities and oil prices and so on. So uh, look for them to continue. Uh, Mexico has struggled more. In terms of finishing out North America, uh, Mexico is at fifty point seven, and that's can, uh, they're, they're still on a long run of positive months. But the trend has been definitely toward the midpoint of things, really slowing down in uh, in Mexico.
1: What in Regarding particular, in Mexico, slowing down.
5: What particularly? Well, again, yes. they're uh, they're dependent upon the U.S for uh, a lot of their economic strength and uh, determining demand because of auto plants in Mexico and uh, other plants that are, that are located there. Uh, so uh, that has, as automobiles have slowed back, uh, Mexico is, is uh, significantly uh, hampered
2: by that. Talking about a state close to Mexico, Texas, with a strong 53.9 um i have a question for you on that uh, it seems as though that we're several weeks uh we have been uh restarting a lot of the offshore rigs um and yet the oil prices are still under 50 i think yesterday was 47 and change so what is it that the oil companies may know that uh, nobody else knows that they're opening up the rigs where orders are coming into to my metal company, All Metals and Forge Group, for replacement parts that go onto the oil rigs and then they're opening the rigs. So are they expecting a uh, a strong rebound on, on oil price? Yeah, I, I don't think it would be a
5: strong rebound. Uh, the... the... The issue with oil is uh, what's the cost per barrel need to be for them to to be able to operate the wells, and right. uh, matching supply and demand becomes a, a real challenge because uh, it's a market where uh, truly everybody is in it for themselves. And. Yeah. This, uh, uh, if uh, they know what their cash flow needs are, and so quite often they're doing the wrong thing in order to meet their cash flow needs, and uh, from that, so I, I don't see uh, any big surge on the horizon. I'm not. I'm not reading about a big surge on the horizon right. in terms Neither of, are we. Uh, of that, Lou. But uh, again. It's amazing. Uh, I, was, I sat in a meeting five years ago, um, uh, and uh, people said at that time that we'd never see oil prices below ninety dollars a barrel. And, <laughs> and these and
2: these
5: and and these were people who assured me that they knew what they were talking about.
2: Oh, they must uh, have been
5: economists.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
5: they, worse yet, they were oil people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I I don't uh, I don't think there's a, a surge in demand. Uh, I think there's sufficient supply to meet any any demand curve that we can come up with right now. Uh, and unless there's a major interruption uh, in, in supply from one part of the world for whatever reason, uh, that would be the one thing I could think of that would present a problem. But uh, don't don't see that you know texas represents a very balanced economy though uh much more so if you think of uh, if you think of houston it's um oil and chemicals if you think of dallas it's uh, uh some of the thing industries that support oil and chemicals but it's also uh, other industries consumer products and so on so uh texas um uh, you know, Texas is the second largest state. California is the largest when it comes to manufacturing, and Texas is uh, close behind in that. Mm-hmm. So it's much more balanced than we give them credit for.
2: So therefore, Texas decided, well, let's create a little oil glut, but let's get the cash flow up and going.
5: That's, uh, that would be my assessment.
2: Okay, okay. So we got that cleared
5: up. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah, Norbert just not a,
2: you have one other
1: survey in here uh called the JPM global. Right. Is that kind of a balance of everything else? Uh
5: the the JPM global uh this month came in at fifty two point eight. Uh it usually stays in the range of the lower fifties because it's twenty four countries that they take and, and combine the index. Uh, it's led by the U.S., uh, of course, uh, in terms of size, and they're weighted according to uh, to their size. Uh, and um, um, it's, it's a good indicator as to the health of the overall global economy, just as our um, uh, scattergram is here. Um, but it gives you a good sense that um, – That things are okay globally Uh, and uh, when you look at the scattergram itself that we talk about uh, it it, uh, looks like uh, uh, the global economy is uh, very solid right now uh, barring any major upsets that we have to experience and so on. Uh, A lot of people were worried about the French election and and uh, you know, they, they may well have been in a lose-lose situation. Uh, no matter uh, w- which way they went, uh, it was not going to be uh, received that great. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't think France has the stomach for dropping out of the EU. Uh, they may find something different uh, about Italy when it comes up. Time for the Italian elections and, and uh, see what uh, what's on the mind of the folks in Italy.
1: Yeah, we might get back to the one million dollar lira note if Italy decides to pull out of the EU. Uh,
5: yeah, I, I think they'd start back at uh, one, five, and ten. I would hope. Uh, uh. <laughs> him uh but uh, you know the the lira and the one million dollar note tells how poorly the they've managed the italian economy for many years is that the only way you you know they've always came back and inflated their way out of the problem and that's why italy has such a great problem right now is their historical uh, uh solution has been to to uh Uh, inflate their way out and uh, it's not offering that opportunity as part of the EU. Uh, They they can't, uh, they they don't have the same tools to work
2: with. Just like the United States, just print more money.
5: Yeah, it's an easy (laughs) solution with a, with with a terrible consequence. Uh, And uh, uh, we continue to, to move in the wrong direction when it comes to, uh, our spending habits and so on. And uh, we're, we're generously spending money. We don't have, um, uh, which has got to be one of the definitions of insanity. Um, yeah.
1: Well, I, I see that the, well, we,
2: have, uh, we, we, least, many, we, we have many uh, definitions of insanity as of the last several months. Right. I see that the, uh,
1: At least a dozen states, and another 15 are talking about it, are looking to do a constitutional convention. Have you picked up on that, Norbert?
5: No, I haven't. I haven't. And uh, when it comes to the politics, uh, I try to keep it really simple. Uh, The data that I I follow uh, is what uh, recently has been referred to as soft data. Uh, it's the data that uh, we have early access to but uh, isn't that, uh, as tied as, uh, you know, some of the government data uh, where they go through three revisions before they had come up with the actual pronouncement. So uh, I, I try to stay yeah, on the probably. soft side of things, uh, and uh, that's enough to keep me busy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Well, certainly the government, their you know first quarter GDP growth was 0.7, and that might become at least two other numbers before they finalize it. It would be interesting to see how that comes out.
5: Where does yeah, it look like it's if, going from
1: if, here, Norbert?
5: Where does it go? Uh, I think we have to look at where we came from uh, to, to try to figure out where we're going. Uh after 2007, when we had the huge uh, problem with the economy and so on, uh, we began a pattern of recovery. Uh, the auto industry did well during that period of time and helped drive it. Then housing kicked in, uh, non-residential construction kicked in, uh, consumer purchases picked up, uh, but all of those have pretty well uh, flattened out at this point. There is, there is some growth, but it's a very low uh, growth. Obviously, a p- uh, 0.7 uh, GDP uh, is not what, uh, what will drive the economy long term. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, growth is positive. And so we, we've gone through uh, 96 months plus of economic growth, uh, not as fast as we would like, but certainly uh, it is it is positive. And um, the the good news at this point is, uh, I think we have an opportunity to extend that. Uh, we we've seen the many cycles within the cycle that we're looking at, and these they've gone up and down. And so I, I do think that um, we have the potential to go uh, further. Uh, and that could be another 48 months. It, it could be potentially another 96 months. Uh, if, if we do some things to help ourselves, uh, uh, the tax package that uh, Washington has talked about, uh, that's, that's got to come to fruition uh, in order to drive us up to the 3 to 4% uh, level. Uh, one yeah. of the things that uh, uh, I looked at, Uh, The first quarter, uh, the PMI for manufacturing averaged uh, 56.7. If the other three quarters it just hit 50 for the quarter as an average, uh, we would wind up averaging 51.7 for the year, Uh, which means uh, uh, we would be in a very low growth year. But it would be a, it would be positive uh, by the measures that we use from that, so looking forward, uh, uh, the uh, tax package could be a tremendous help. Uh, the uh, just the attitude if small business continues to think in terms of uh, I was talking to a, a small businessman yesterday, and I asked him, I said, if you could find the right people, would you hire them?" He said, if I could find the right people, I'd always hire them. <laughs> and he said the, diffi- uh, the difficulty is in finding the right people that uh, really understand uh, what what their responsibility as an employee is and, and uh, what they owe to
2: their employer. Interesting concept. Um The uh, there was a point that I wanted to get to about the fact that um, the 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 last several years and correct me if I'm wrong uh, Norbert the last several years the first quarter of each new year has not been stellar so if that's the case I just I don't want to panic panic the folks to run off the edge of the cliff yet just because we had a .7 uh, GDP for the first quarter uh, But they've typically Been weak these last couple Of years isn't that correct right.
5: right? You know one of the uh, Measures of uh, GDP that, uh, uh, that That we Don't often pay in the media Doesn't pay much attention to frankly um, and, and they should it, it probably should be the key uh, Component and that is Net exports that uh, if uh, exports um, uh, exceed imports, then there's uh, growth. If uh, not, you have to take imports are greater than uh, than exports. Then you then you have to account for that in there. Mm-hmm. One of the things that happened in January uh, was uh, we had a huge sale to. Uh, of soybeans to China, and so that wound up uh, driving that net export number uh, into where it didn't look as strong. So uh, the, the .7 wasn't wasn't as bad, and uh, n- no one quarter should be a, a measure of what we're looking at. The trends are very definite that we're we're in an upward trend. The U.S., uh, Europe, uh, Asia are all above water and uh, and doing fairly well in some instances. Uh, but, the, the, you know, there are a few dark clouds uh, that, the, that we need to think in terms of
2: um, as we
5: get deeper into the year.
2: What would be the dark cloud that you're specifically talking about?
5: Well, I've talked about for quite some time the concerns about the automotive industry, uh, uh-huh. that uh, the, the we were going to see a decline uh, and there wasn't a lot of evidence of it. Uh, now we're starting to see some evidence in uh, 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 the amount of inventory that the auto companies uh, have in place right now uh, is a little bit on the scary side, uh, and so they're probably going to have to t- cut back production. So uh, just as we when we came out of uh, the 2007, the auto industry led the way, uh, now the auto industry is is softening. Uh, it's not going to. I don't think the bottom's going to drop out of it. Uh, the the best thing they have going for them is they're building cars that people want, and uh, with all of the of gadgets on it, uh, uh, the cameras, the sensors, uh, all the things that uh, that they have that uh, uh, people really want those. But I don't think that's going to drive sales up to uh, 18 million again we're going to be back around the 16 million uh, on an annual basis and uh, that's okay but it's not going to drive the economy it's not going to drive productivity it's not going to drive uh, GDP so um, uh, though uh, it is a dark cloud I don't think it's so dark that it'll drag the rest of the economy down Again, assuming that uh, we're able to do something with the taxes situation.
2: That's a, that's a big, uh, you know, it's hard, it's hard not to talk about manufacturing and politics in the same conversation. So uh, we Tim and I try not to talk a lot of politics, but it, it always comes around that it, manufacturing has gone political. Well, and, that,
5: and, and, and basically, uh, uh, Lou, I, I think you know we used to talk about politics, and then we talk about economics, and uh, today I think we have to talk about political economics. Uh, that is the combination. You can't separate the two of those. It's right. governments become uh, so pervasive that uh, you just can't separate one from the other and try to have a, a,
2: a discussion around it. Uh, that's uh, I agree, especially when we have a uh, uh, entrepreneurial type manufacturing guy in in the White House. he, he yeah. talked a lot about it
5: well uh, there there's well, still uh you know a lot that can be done uh, sure. uh, that uh, that can improve things significantly uh, I, I think in terms of uh, supply and demand. Uh, the Fed seems to be uh, lost a little bit in their uh, uh, assessment of where the economy is. And uh, uh, I, I know I talked to, to someone yesterday who said uh, they were really concerned about inflation. Well, uh, there's really uh, no signs of inflation in the overall economy, uh, uh, inflation that's that's um that's economically devastating uh, mm-hmm. and you guys know the difference between what we've seen is uh sometimes having a reasonable amount of inflation two percent would be enough to help push the economy upward four percent starts to push it downward and so it's a matter of getting that balance and uh Uh, We'll see whether the Fed uh, can uh, improve on their uh, dismal record of the past for that.
1: (laughs) Well, statistically, you know, we're looking at an $18.5 trillion economy in the United States for 2016. And just to get 3% growth, that's going to be about $560 billion. That was the size of the entire U.S. economy. In 1961 Yeah So we're looking to grow The present U.S. economy Year over year By the equivalent of the entire 1961 economy Uh, It would be startling growth They've just become very big numbers I don't know if world population and World buying power is keeping up With that number
5: Yeah well the the law of large numbers Catches up with the everybody and everything at some point uh, that we just uh, you you know think in terms of uh, a a business uh, any business somebody like uh, Apple that uh, what are they at 150 billion dollars a year in sales um, they have to generate uh, in order to get just 5% growth they have to generate so much in additional sales and if they do it this year then the markets going to expect them to do it again next year too and so uh... It, it's an uh... endless battle uh, to to try to to try to meet that uh... And that's why i think you have to have the tax structure in the uh, set in the right way uh, and you have to have things that encourage growth and uh... you have to control the size of government that uh... uh you know, what's the future going to be with medical care? Is it going to be, uh, is medical care going to get cheaper, or is it going to continue to get Mm -hmm. expensive? Uh, If it's going to continue to get expensive, uh, uh, we have a real challenge in front of us. So hopefully some of the breakthroughs that we're hearing about in terms of medical diagnosis and early diagnosis and those types of things can help us uh, become more productive.
1: No doubt. Norbert, we want to thank you again for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio for this show. Appreciate you being here.
2: My, my pleasure. We'll see, Thanks, guys. And we'll see you down at the ISM uh, in Orlando next week.
1: Yep, yeah, week after Good next. Good morning. Uh, we've been speaking with Norbert Orr, and he is our senior international correspondent who covers 18 global surveys, we also like to go a little in-depth on the U.K. and the E.U., so we have with us now Royce Lowe, who was our senior international correspondent. He's headquartered in France, but he talks about what's happening in the E.U., France, and the U.K. Royce, thanks for joining us.
4: Thank you, Tim. Nice to be here. Good morning, Lou.
2: Good morning. Good morning. You have your British
4: tea this morning yet? My British tea. I don't drink tea. You know. I drink I I drink Japanese green tea.
2: <laughs>
1: ah, good for you, good for you. Now that the elections are over and you didn't get your uh, your Trumpista candidate Le Pen, how is right. uh, France feeling?
4: Well, France is uh, you know it's funny because I've I've been in a few I've been in a couple of meetings and uh, a couple of groups of late and. Uh, and uh, I have to say, uh, how come nobody's talking about the election? You know, this was, this was after uh, Macron had been elected. And uh, really, it's, uh, it's a question of uh, Macron's been elected. Uh, probably a lot of people voted for him, as they're saying anyway, uh, that, so, they wouldn't, uh, so that uh, Le Pen wouldn't be elected. But Le Pen still got 11 million votes. But she's still got a third of the uh, of the electorate. Um, I think I think that people are uh, are hoping that uh, that he'll be able to come through with uh, you know with, with what he says is is going to do. It's, it's quite a story. It's a bit of a Camelot, really. You know, the guy only set up his party about a year ago, and he's just gone and uh, won the whole thing. The, the whole structure in the whole structure's changed.
2: Royce? Yeah. We beat your. We beat that election with our election. There's no room. In, <laughs> there's no room in the room to talk about any election outside of the U.S. election last year. I mean, I, yeah, I, I rush home. I rush home at, at nighttime to get the next series, the next chapter in the story yeah. of stupid. That in yeah, our well, I must admit I've been watching
4: lives. YouTube quite a lot recently, and uh, I don't know whether I uh, whether I, I enjoy all the nasty things they're saying about Trump, but I seem to be slightly addicted to it. <laughs> uh, well, it's a
2: it's, uh,
4: it's, so it's a what, rock and roll. What did, uh,
1: what did Macron say he was going to do for manufacturing in France?
4: Well. Uh, he didn't specifically mention manufacturing, but what he uh, what he does say he's going to do is going to is uh, uh, going to cut uh, corporate tax. He's going to cut public spending. is 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 going to he's been on uh, he's been on uh, well on the TV. He's been on social media, and and he's attracting a lot of pe- he's trying to attract a lot of people back to France. Apparently, there are three hundred. Two or three hundred thousand people in London uh, working for French people, and uh, uh, he's also he also wants to. Uh, he's not going to. He's not going to mess with the thirty-five-hour work week. That will be political suicide. Uh, but. Uh, it is looking for for example for a german style approach to labor relations in other words where the individual corporations negotiate directly with the unions rather than the whole the whole country negotiating with uh, with one union so this is the, the, these are the things that he that he wants to do and and these of course will all reflect on uh, on manufacturing because one of the there's no doubt one of the problems in France is the 35-hour work week, and, and uh, people wanting to take early, rec- uh, early retirement and uh, basically work a little less than maybe they should do. But in spite of all this, uh, the the productivity in France is, is, is quite good. Um, as far as manufacturing goes, Tim, uh, he, he hasn't mentioned it specifically, but I think this will reflect... Uh, uh, from uh, for, from his policies, you
2: know. Productivity is good, in spite of the August uh, abandonment of the country.
4: Yeah, that's what they're saying.
2: <laughs> yeah, it must be must be the French uh, tourism bureau that put out that
4: information. <laughs> well, well, that's apparently down a little bit too after after the couple of. You know, a couple of slight uh, events That we had uh, last year and this year Right, uh, right, right um, Yeah Terrible Yeah
1: Well, uh, so France seems to be uh, In an interesting State of flux Uh, I guess the spotlight is now On them, I think it looks like The UK's Brexit Is, as I had said Months and months ago, a whole well, to be a very big deal is it still kind of ho-hummish?
4: oh i, I, I think it's a, i think it's a terribly big deal uh, i think it's uh, it's it's sort of like uh, it's sort of like the second world war when when the, the, the countries were were sitting around uh, knowing they were at war but they weren't doing anything about it. It was the you know the silent war or something and uh, I, I think that uh, once they actually sit down with each other. and um, and start talking, sparks are going to fly. And uh, the the, the thing about Brexit is that uh, we all know that something's got to happen, but we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know how long it's going to take to make it happen. And we don't know what kind of mess everybody's going to be in when it has happened. Uh, I heard a couple of of, uh, economists on the radio this morning. This was on Radio 4. And uh, the the interviewer asked them at the end, they said basically because of the pound uh, losing ground, losing 10%, 15% after the referendum, uh, the, and, and of course with all the stuff that they have to import to make all the goods that they make, uh, the guy said, that, that tell me, he said, how long is it going to be before people are going to be back to uh, as well off as they were before the referendum? and uh one one economist said oh about 2030 and the other one said oh in about 10 years so <laughs> we don't know it's it it whole ho-hum but it's not whole hum uh, it's it's certainly going to be a lot of fat, a lot of fodder for the media i mean the the media uh, all around the world is following brexit and uh, I think it's gonna quite frankly, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna become exciting. I think it's gonna be show business.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we got the best,
4: We have the best show on earth right here yeah. in this country.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's called You're Fired. <laughs> yeah. You're fired. Apparently right. he's still doing extra. <laughs> well, you know, with all that kind of uncertainty going on, you know, manufacturers just loathe uncertainty. Uh, are we going to begin to see the PMIs, which we were just talking with Norbert Orr about, begin to soften in uh, the UK, the EU countries, because there's just too much uncertainty, right?
4: Well, I I don't think so. Um, I. Uh, I mean, there are, there are things that one reads that, that one didn't uh, consider before. But some, you know, I, I read recently in, a, in in quite a in quite a, a good publication that the fact that uh, the um, the recovery from the recession in uh, in Europe took off quite a bit after it, it, it took off in the United States. Now, the the PMI in Europe in the eurozone in April. It's 56.7. That was up from 56.2. Um, Germany and Austria and the Netherlands, even France is over 55 now, uh, which is something that we haven't seen in a long, long time. Uh, there is a there is an optimism uh, about manufacturing. There's an optimism, okay, the, the car sales for, uh, for April were, were down a little bit, but uh, that so it was Easter in April this year, and uh, there were few sales days. Uh, I don't think uh, I don't think it's going to slip back uh, next month or the month after that. But we don't know, of course. As you say, I mean, uncertainty is something that we that we're used to. isn't it, it's uh, it's ongoing. I think, in uh, in some respects. Uh, the UK uh, went from um, 54.2 in uh, in March to 57.3 in April. Uh, That's something down like uh, the proverbial, you know. And uh, but the car sales were down 20% um, in in April. Wow. Um, investment goods were were good. Uh, the the car sales it was the, it, it was effectively they, they put an excise tax on t- uh, to do with to do with polluting cars in the 1st of April, so that was probably a reason for that, but they figure that overall we're going to come back. There again, they don't really know either. And now, of course, you've got an election coming up in the UK, uh, (laughs) which is probably... uh, Sorry? Right.
1: There's an election on the 8th of June in the UK.
4: Yeah.
2: Well, Well, I, 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 I... I, I look at the European situation uh, as, as it relates to politics and elections as one great big soccer game, and uh, they they just love it. I mean, they, I have Brit friends, and they love talking politics, and they get mad at each other when they're even talking about the same uh, – they're on the same
4: side. They just, they yeah. just love arguing about it. Well, they talk about two things in the UK: politics and uh, and what they call football, what uh, what we call uh, what the rest of the world calls soccer. All right. uh, well, most right. of the rest of the world, anyway. Um, and uh, the 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 problem is, of course, that uh, they can talk and talk and talk all they like. They can they can go into the pub and have a couple of pints and start talking about Brexit, but they don't really know what they're talking about. I'm, uh, again, I'm not sounding pompous, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, I think it's a fact, as as the man said, they don't know that they don't know, and they don't know. And and uh, it's the, the the thing in the thing in the UK is going um, to be a mess. The thing in the thing in Europe is a wait and see. Uh, the man has the, the man has won the election. is 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 going to be president. Now he has to uh, uh, now he has to look at the National Assembly, where there are 577 seats up. And uh, there the are elections for those w- which will be in June, and uh, it depends how how many seats he gets, as well as to how much power effectively he's going to have uh, in, in in Parliament. It's, it's it's like the same thing in, uh, as it is in uh, in the UK that the parliamentary system. That, that this is one of the reasons why uh, why uh, Theresa May is, is is called an election. She, well, number one because she can. And, and number two, because uh, she thinks that she will consolidate. Now, what, why she needs to consolidate, that's, uh, that's up to her. But, uh, yeah, politics here is uh, it's a game. And uh, you've you got another one coming up in Germany in September. Uh, that's going to stay, I think, with uh, Angela Michael, the leader of the Western world, as she's called. So, Sorry. so, Royce.
2: <laughs> so, Royce, let me ask you, at my, at my best attempt of not to talk politics, uh, which I'm failing at right now, uh, what's the what's the UK Eurozone, Germany, France? What's the attitude about the daytime soap opera that we're running over here?
4: Um well i i, I don't Just think don't give uh, out your
1: address.
4: i don't think people can come out and say what they're really thinking uh about the soap opera that's going on in the u s right now uh the, the, there are there are people like the Guardian. actually i heard that you, i heard i saw uh, noam chomsky on um on a clip this morning, but he's american so i won't i won't talk about him anymore but the um the uh, the general the general consensus is that uh, you know the the man is uh, uh, if you pardon the expression the man's a total idiot and uh, <laughs> I, I I I I I mean personally uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, I I just don't um, I just don't see how uh, the process of government in the United States can carry on like this, and I think I think this is basically what a lot of people are thinking too. Uh, how can it go on and uh, w- w- with what he's doing, uh, firing people at will, and um, and uh, just uh, not being able to speak his mother tongue, and uh, uh, just not making any sense. <laughs>
0: Uh, it's well, a horrible thing to say,
4: but I, I mean, I love the United States. I always have, but uh, what's going on right now? I I, I cannot understand. Anyway, well, there uh, it is, folks.
2: You earn it from Europe.
4: <laughs> <laughs> the uh, but the um, right at the moment, as far as manufacturing goes over here, it uh, it it looks. It looks pretty good. There are question marks in the UK, yes, of course, but uh, because of the uh, Brexit thing, and uh, uh, it's all about the deal that they're going to come out with, because they seem to be committed not to to be in the single market, so somewhere, somehow, they're going to be paying tariffs and uh, that's going to be a whole new ball game and that's going to be part of the deal that they'll be working out over the over the next oh, well, over the coming years one doesn't know how many years it's going to take um uh, the, you know the two year bit is a, is a fantasy i think and and i think most people in the know think it's a fantasy but um we shall we shall see what we shall see
1: are you saying it should take? It will take longer than that to get all this resolved.
4: Longer than two years. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's no way they'll. There's no way they'll get the whole thing done in two years. I mean, it's gonna. It's gonna take. Uh, for one thing, um, there's a bill that the UK is supposed to pay. That, uh, dep- depending on which paper you read and who says it, it could be anywhere between uh, 20 and 100 uh, billion euros. <laughs> that's what they—that's what oh, they're going okay. <laughs> to. <laughs> that's what they're going to make him pay before they let him go. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: Uh, good luck to
4: so, so what uh, what's going to happen to manufacturing over the next over the coming years in the UK? Is, is, is I mean, the, the, an awful lot of it hangs on uh, hangs on Brexit and the, the negotiations because of the you know w- what are they going to have to pay and uh, who are they going to make uh, trade deals with? I mean I'm, I mean there's no doubt that they're trying to make trade deals. Apparently, somebody even went to the Philippines uh, to try and make a deal. And um, so this is this is all part of the big picture. Uh, that you've got Brexit, you've got Europe, and then you've got the Brits going. They'll, they'll no doubt try and make a, a trade deal with the, with the US. And uh, uh, I don't know what Canada's going to say. I mean, th- I mean the trading with all these people now. But um, what's the deal going to be? Uh, how much is it going to cost them to uh, to stay in? Uh, I mean, obviously, got to, they've got to trade with Europe. Everybody trades with Europe. Everybody trades with the U.S., etc., etc. et cetera. But what's it going to cost them to trade with Europe? That's the, that's the big question. No.
2: Seems as though this is a, a question for the futures and the,
4: uh,
2: the magic uh, crystal balls.
4: Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, and uh, and and what but of course uh, everything that happens uh, puts the puts the pound up a little bit it puts the pound down a little bit puts the euro up a little bit puts the euro down a little bit and and, and on a daily basis this you know this this can be important too it's uh, it's quite fascinating really <laughs> Uh, yeah. you, you've, got the ma- you've got manufacturing on the one hand, and you've got Brexit on the other, and and uh, the, the effectively they're going to be intertwined because the, the, there's no doubt that some, somewhere that deals have been made uh, to, for example, to persuade Toyota and Ford to to stay in the UK and and, and say we we will stay and manufacture automobiles in the UK come hella high water, please give us money. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think I, I think some of that's happened uh, and I think a huh. lot of people think it happened, yeah, so it's a yeah. little bit
2: of uh it's a little bit of uh, geopolitical blackmail mhm yeah yeah and, Absolutely. Well, whatever
4: works whatever works
1: yeah whatever works, whatever works mm. well we'll we'll see how that uh, comes to pass as we uh, chat with you each month. we appreciate you being on Manufacturing Talk Radio again, uh, Norbert, to, or uh, Royce, to give us an update and how it looks from uh, that side of the pond. Thanks for mm-hmm. joining us. So, so it's always a Thank pleasure. You.
2: Thank you.
4: Thank Royce. you very
1: much. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye yeah. bye. And we've been speaking with uh, Royce Slow, who is our senior international correspondent uh, residing in France, and he is uh, always interesting to get a point of view from what's happening in the U.K. and the E.U. Um, and we will have another you, segment you... to this show, but, but uh, Lou, go ahead.
2: No, I was going to ask you, if things really get bad here, do you think that the Brits will take us back? <laughs> 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 I, I'm, I'm not sure. Canada has already turned us down. They don't want us there. So I'm just no, wondering if uh, will... If, if Britain will take us back, we have we have a lot to offer. We've got a lot of smart people, and you know we've got a lot of money. Our money would help them tremendously. We'll have to wait and see <laughs> yeah, how that plays out. Uh, I, you know, I I just I'm
1: just so tempted to I talk the political angle, and, and I and I can't I can't. I, I just
2: <laughs> I just left you speechless. Sorry about that. <laughs> I have a pro- I have a problem not talking about it. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, okay, folks. So that was uh, excellent reporting. Uh, Chad Moutre from the National Association of Manufacturers, uh, Norbert Orr from Strategis, and Roy Slow reporting from the EU and France and most of the rest of Europe. Uh, it certainly looks like everything is on the upswing, and uh, I hope you're feeling all those upswings like we are. And uh, with that said, Tim.
1: Everyone, stay tuned to Manufacturing Talk Radio week by week. We're on every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find all of our shows at mfgtalkradio.com. You may be listening to them on a mobile device by going through iTunes. They're all listed there as well. And we hope that you will join us each and every week for an updated edition of Manufacturing Talk Radio. But that takes care of our show today. Thank you for listening. Thanks
0: for joining us on
2: Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at
0: 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com.
2: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.